Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 146 today with Melissa Monti. And man, we had a wonderful conversation about uh, overcoming, about uh, a lot of her story. She was very open and vulnerable and uh, shared all kinds of great insights about just becoming better and changing and all these things in context of her own life experience and some very deep situations and issues and things that she's gone through. Um, So I'm excited to bring you that. I also want to point out uh, just in the last couple of weeks, we just completed our third year of the Empower Humans podcast. So applause all around. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, just, uh, you know, go celebrate, go uh, have a chicken nugget. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do something to celebrate and uh, be happy because we're going to keep moving forward for the next one, two, and 10 years, I hope. And uh, so I can't wait to bring this podcast. I want to remind you, as always, up front, you are absolutely priceless. Please, please don't just take that as words that I say because I say it for a reason. People easily forget that. We get lost in ourselves. We get lost in all the nonsense of this world. And I think it's just really crucial and important that we're reminded of that, that we remind ourselves of that. I want you to create your own self-contained machine of being able to uh, lift yourself when you're down and when you might feel like maybe you're something other than priceless. Uh, We talked a lot about that in this interview. In fact, she talked about some ways to kind of have your own tools and uh, things to go to to lift yourself and bring yourself to the places that we need to be versus the places we often find ourselves by living life and, you know, the difficulties and challenges that we face. So you are absolutely priceless. The riches are found in you and you're not alone. Uh, so reach out if you need to at uh, info at empowerhumans.com, at empower101 on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, always here. If you need anything whatsoever, please feel free to reach out. Reach out to friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, uh, whatever is in your circle. You'd be surprised how much uh, people are out there that, that want to lift and help and would if given the opportunity. So, uh, of course, our challenge is study. Start studying. Keep studying. Whatever your situation is, I just encourage you to uh, continue to stimulate your mind, continue to learn, continue to grow and progress and center ourselves. Because to me, this is what studying ends up doing. I, I get off track. We all get derailed a little bit at times. And by studying and learning and growing in, in certain areas, um, it helps me recenter my mind and my feelings and different things because you're not alone. Like I said earlier, you're not alone. We go through these different things and uh, learning and studying and reaching out to positive resources is a very, very powerful way to, to go about that. Our second challenge is, of course, make great moments. Melissa here just had a baby, newborn baby, and she took an hour out of the time with that baby to uh, share with us. So we're grateful, of course, for that. But that's an obvious place where Finding positive moments, making great moments uh, can happen, but that's with loved ones generally. And and let's find a way to make everyone loved ones in our world and in our lives. Um, I know a friend, I'm going to be down in Arizona in the next uh, week or so, and uh, we're going to go find some friends and feed the homeless and do some things together. Um, just because what I found is virtually everyone in humanity can be friends with each other. We can learn to love, respect, and all these things that uh, have frequently fallen by the wayside in our modern society and culture. And uh, so make great moments, whether you do it with the friends, loved ones, family members, and so on or not. Find ways and generally with people that making great moments can transpire in your world. And I promise those things will be pillars as we come to the end of this thing. Eventually, each of us will look back and, and see, you know, we made some mistakes and learning experiences and so on. But uh, doing our best to make great moments along the way, especially with those that we love and care about, and making new friends and new loved ones and acquaintances along the way can certainly go a long way in that regard. Uh, our last challenge is very simple. Let's keep doing this podcast together. Melissa brought us tons of value. She has a podcast called the Mind Love Podcast. I think it's just called Mind Love. And uh, she has over, I think, 250 episodes. So you've got a lot you can go feast upon over there. I encourage you to go check that out. Of course, don't don't abandon Empower Humans, but go check out her podcast and all her material at mindlove.com. And uh, without further ado, let's jump right in. Here we are with Melissa Monty. Here we go. We are pleased to welcome Melissa Monty, who is a podcast host and transformational speaker, mindset coach, and doing all kinds of great things and really some in-depth life experience that I think will be beneficial for all of us. Melissa, how are you today? I'm doing amazing. A little sleep deprived. I have a newborn, so I'm (laughs) dealing with that transition, but I feel great. (laughs) So, So how new is this? And by the way, congratulations. How new is the newborn? He's six weeks old. Oh, wow. Like we're, we're pretty new. Okay. <laughs> wow. Well, congr- is this your first? 
Yes, it's my first. And so I feel like I've been thrown into like a spit storm of, of poop and chaos, but <laughs> I think I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a fun storm because it's your child, but yes, it's, I mean, I, I want to say fun. I've got two boys myself, 11 and nine now, but it goes quick. Like I remember those days of uh, <laughs> newborn. It's, it's a fun time though. And you know, babies are a lot, well, I mean, they're a lot more submissive at that age. So a little easier, but at the same time, they're a little harder too, because <laughs> they don't know how to do things and the diapers and all that, the feedings. I feel like it'd be harder if he wasn't so cute. <laughs> yeah, I think there's some design in that. I mean, I can get to a religious place, but God's got to be smart to make these babies cute. Uh, so that, I mean, it's a lot of work. This is something my dad used to say, because, you know, if, if they weren't so cute and sweet, you know, moms might not want to keep them. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm just being silly. Um <laughs> So tell me a little about, uh, now whereabouts are you coming to us from today, by the way, Melissa? Well, late 2020, I moved from Santa Monica to Big Bear up in the mountains. So I went from a big city to a town of like 3,000 people, but uh, I love the nature. I think it was just necessary for my mental health to get out of the chaos of LA for a bit. All right. Yeah. I used to live in LA before I moved to, I'm in Las Vegas now. I mean, we're both on Pacific time, but yeah. What's that been like? Uh, I don't want to digress too much, but with the whole pandemic thing and stuff, you say mental health, was that kind of part of it? Plus you're having a baby. <laughs> yeah. I'm very affected by the energy of people around me. And so uh, I found, I traveled a good amount in 2020 and LA was just a whole different ball game with the amount of fear. I would walk my dog by myself and people would scream at me from across the street to like put on my mask and <laughs> I was not yeah. uh, really dealing with it very well. And so I needed to go somewhere where I could just be in nature, um, take care of myself. I was pregnant at the time and kind of create my own energy instead of being so affected by all the energy around me. Yeah. I can appreciate that. I think most people listening can probably appreciate that. This this pandemic's been kind of a weird thing, and it's brought out weird stuff in people about fears and how we interrelate. You know, one thing I've said on the podcast already, if, if it taught us anything, this pandemic showed us how interconnected we really are as people, just that a virus can start in one spot in the world and, you know, basically be transmitted globally in a matter of just a few months. And uh, anyway, so how are we liking Big Bear? A lot better, I'm guessing. It's been a transition for me. I mean, I, I have been in bigger cities for most of my life. I've lived in Big Bear before when I first met my husband, but I was falling in love at the time. And so yeah. it was easy to just kind of be wrapped up in him. And so when I first moved here, whenever I move somewhere new or really whenever I'm going through a big transition, I find that I have about three months where I'm resisting the change. So I tend to follow basically the stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression. <laughs> and it's when I start to find the familiarity that is when the experience really starts to change for me. So usually that means stop resisting, go find my favorite yoga studio in the area, find some places I can be a local at, uh, post on a Facebook group that I need friends and I'm available for coffee dates and all of that. Yeah. And uh, then, then I start to adjust and I'm working on decreasing the amount of time that I re resist the change, but it is difficult because you can only really find that familiarity through experience. And so you really have to start living it to make the place feel like home. And so that's what I've been doing. And um, it's been difficult, extra difficult because of COVID. So yoga studios have been closed. Yeah. A lot of places have been closed, but things have been more open here than in other places in California. So mm. um I've just been kind of going through this change. And I think now that I'm not pregnant and I don't have hormones pumping through my body at quite the speed they were before, although yeah. they're still there, <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. it's been a little bit, a little bit easier. I can actually, uh, I don't have to worry about layering pants for the snow, trying to fit it over my belly anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. there's sunshine so I can get my vitamin D. So yeah, I'm doing really well now. Good. Good. I'm really, really happy to hear that. It's, I mean, being springtime, that's always a wonderful time of the year for me, at least. I think most people would agree. Um, just but we're coming out of this long winter of not just literal winter, but uh, COVID. I, you know, I'm hoping we're at the beginning of the end and stuff of this. And 
time will tell, but uh, I'm glad to hear you're in a good place, both literally and figuratively, mentally, and all these, all these things. I, now, I understand you have a lot of uh, insight and you've been down some really, for lack of a better word, dark paths. I mean, I don't know if you'd agree on that terminology, but I think it applies from what I understand of your story. Um, do you want to tell your story? Because it sounds like you were kind of were in a somewhat of a downward spiral and some things happened. And, and I was, when I was reading about you, I was impressed by the phrase undo a downward spiral. But do you want to talk to me about that? Yeah, basically, I had a pretty charmed life growing up. I didn't really experience trauma when I was younger, just aside from my parents' divorce, which I always kind of liked because two Christmases, two birthdays, <laughs> all that. So I had a great childhood. And then it wasn't until I was about 15 that I experienced my first trauma. I was sexually assaulted. I was actually sexually assaulted two different times in high school. And I and also ended up losing a very close friend to suicide. And then my first year in college, I lost my dad. And so with these traumas sort of back to back year after year, it started to affect the way that I viewed the world and my life and what was expected. And so before it was like I was just working towards college and getting good grades and being in advanced placement classes and an honors student. And then these things started happening to me. And I was like, wow, I can't control my life. I can't control the things around me so that I feel a certain way. And because of that belief, I started to self-sabotage without really realizing it. And so even though there were outside things happening to me, it was experiencing the way that I viewed myself and the world. And then in turn, I started to create experiences that mirrored that. Mm -hmm. I ended up making bad decisions in relationships. I didn't have a lot of self-worth. And so that affected who I spent time with because the way you treat yourself really sets the standard for the way you allow yourself to be treated. At least that was the case in my situation. I ended up in a horrible relationship trying to earn somebody's love that treated me really, really badly. I was ignoring a lot of signs because his dad died the weekend I met him. So I made a lot of excuses for his behavior because I thought, well, I want to love you the way I wanted to be loved at that time. Or I nobody understood what I was going through. And so I'm going to make sure I understand what you're going through. When in reality, he was cheating on me. He was addicted to gambling. I ended up finding out into our relationship that he was addicted to meth. And then wow. it all came crashing down when I found out he was secretly robbing houses. <laughs> and so I ended up in a situation where I... I actually got arrested with him for his crime because I I went away for a month to try to get away from him, came back. And it, with one phone call, I was basically back in the place I was before because in Hawaii, I had done all this work to kind of change things on the outside. I was eating healthy again. I was surrounding myself with different people. But then as soon as I got home, I was in my old surroundings again. I uh, didn't really do that work from the inside out. I did it from the outside in. And so when he called, it was just like I was sucked right back into his chaos. And while I was gone, he was with some other girl. He had borrowed my dog. And so there was one eyewitness account that had some blonde girl. And then he was actually staying the night in some of these houses when people were out of town with my dog who had pooped in one of the houses. It was crazy. So Jeez. I could have gone to trial to fight for my inner innocence because I had, you know, my flights, all of my debit card transactions were in Hawaii during this time. But in doing so, because we we're both arrested together, if I went to trial, so did he. And if he went to trial, it basically guaranteed that he was going to get a minimum of 10 years in jail. He had robbed almost 50 houses Jeez. and millions of dollars worth of things. And so I made one of the worst decisions of my life and I took a felony to so that he could take a deal as well. And that moment, I remember sitting in a jail cell, actually thinking about all the wrong things. Like I, I felt like I had completely ruined my life. Like I couldn't press the reset button on this one. It's not something I could just fix. This was going to follow me forever. And at the time I was also battling a very, very severe case of bulimia. And so my ultimate rock bottom was that in, in this jail cell, I wasn't thinking about how I could change my life. I was 
thinking about how I didn't have enough privacy to throw up my food. And at that moment, there was like this divine intervention almost where I just had this awakening that I needed to do things differently that yes, so many things in my life were not my fault, but it was my responsibility to make the changes. And so when I found my freedom, I ended up moving to LA to get away from him. I would love to say that that was the the beginning of, of my new life, but he actually followed me. He broke into my house. He threw a brick through my windshield. It was a while till I, I got out of that situation, but he ended up getting arrested for another string of robberies and spent the next 11 years in jail. And in that moment, I decided I was not going to waste my freedom and I needed to do the hard climb out of my situation. And so it wasn't just this one moment where everything was different. It, it takes a lot to change your beliefs about yourself and about the world. And so it was baby steps that took another like seven years to get on a really, really positive road and to stop partying and to stop numbing all of the things that I had been avoiding in my life and really to do the work to process my trauma and to process the decisions that I made and to become the kind of person that made new decisions. And from that, I learned a lot. I read a lot of books. I made a lot of changes and that's really what led me to my podcast. I became the person that my friends would come to in a time of need because I had gone through so much. And uh, all of those things that I learned, I share on my podcast to try to help other people maybe make it a shorter path than the one that I took. Wow. Wow. I, I could say, wow, a thousand times. What a, what a set of uh, circumstances and stories and so on. First of all, I want to send my literal heartfelt condolences for the, the losses, uh, you know, the early in your story, um, friends, and of course, sexual assault. I, I, you know, I've been thinking about that topic lately. What I heard is something like one out of three women in their lives from girls to womanhood have been abused in some, in some form or fashion sexually, which is just disgusting to be quite honest with you. There's a lot there to unpack, and I appreciate you you being so open and vulnerable about it. Um, As we talk about undoing a downward spiral, I guess before we get to that, is there any? Do you have any insights? I haven't talked about this before on the podcast. I know the whole idea of an eating disorder is unfortunately not entirely uncommon. Do you have any insights on that as far as the psychology that feeds into that? I mean, you were talking about your self-worth and things. Is that, is that some of what's at the core of it? Um, I don't, I don't mean to try to dissect an eating disorder. And if you don't want to, I totally appreciate that. But if you do, if you do have any thoughts, I'm, I'd like to know, (laughs) it's not something I've dealt with, you know, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's definitely complicated. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. When I started the behaviors that led to my eating disorder, well, it actually started way earlier than the time that I thought it did. I remember the very first time somebody called me fat. At the time, I think it was underweight as well. And so even at that point of being smaller than most people that I knew, this one word started to change the way that I saw myself. But I think one of the things that it really comes down to is not understanding how to find worth around outside of the definitions that were being sold to me through the media, through TV, through all of the things that, you know, the low rise skinny jeans and all the things that were in the nineties and the anorexic Mm -hmm. looking models. And so I remember being in as early as elementary school, gauging myself compared to the people around me, you know, finding the pretty girl, the popular girl and comparing myself feature by feature to see, you know, what did I need to change to become somebody that was as valuable as her in my eyes. Mm -hmm. And so it started at a really young age and things like watching what I was eating at an early age and not in a good way, not in a, let me fuel my body with healthy, nutritious food, but I just ate a candy bar here. So maybe I'm not going to eat the rest of the day (laughs) behaviors. Hmm. And when the older that I got, there was more things in my life that were reinforcing that I was sexually assaulted and it made me feel even less worthy. And uh, through that, it just kept spiraling. My first boyfriend cheated on me a bunch. And so I would look at the people that he cheated with and 
it immediately became a comparison between me and that person. If somebody had taught me, or if I had understood how to learn how to find worth in another way, parents tell you things like, oh, you're, oh, you're just as beautiful, but there wasn't a way that I could internalize this because I'm like, well, you're my mom. Of course, you're going to say that. Like, what do you mean? I am not as beautiful as that person. Nobody else seems to think so. Later on in life, I started to, while I was trying to heal all that, I started to really understand what finding that worth was. And what it came back to was finding something that made me feel purposeful. Because Mm -hmm. if I look back to school, yes, I was good at school. I got good grades, but it was just another way to stack up against people. So I'm like, okay, I've got you in all the areas of academics. I've got you with my sense of humor. How can I make my looks compete with you as well? Rather than, you know, these aren't the things that are really important. And I don't know how to change that or how to really instill that. I have my own child now, so it's going to be interesting. It's a boy, so it's going to be a different journey. But when I look back, how do you escape that high school mentality where, you know, your parents can tell you something, but then there still are the dynamics of high school with the popular kids and the mean kids and the bullies and people picking on the so-called fat kid and all of those things. <laughs> it takes mm-hmm. more than just one thing or, or something you can tell yourself as a 14 year old to really change all of those things. So I think in the world, we've made a lot of progress with body positivity, but in another aspect, we're still going down a different road where much of what I see in the body positivity movement is still focused too much on what your body looks like. And so it's just posting a different size body and putting all the emphasis on this body is beautiful too, but not really showing people that this body isn't what matters. It's how you value yourself and how you value yourself is going to change how you approach the world, how you approach other people, what you expect from other people, how, how they will treat you, uh, even how you treat your own body, how you feed your own body. All those things are going to be reflected in how you value yourself. And so that's where really the change needs to come from. But it's mm-hmm. very complicated. And it's not just the work of one person. I think there's a lot of work that we have to do as a society as well. Yeah. Great points. Thank you for opening up even more. It's, uh, yeah, this whole topic of body image and eating disorder. I mean, you're right. I think we have come a long way. I don't know a long way is the right phrase to use, but uh, we've made some progress for sure. And, but I do think we have a long, long way to go. And I, I just like to see this all change in our society. You know, I grew up all boys, you know, I'm the youngest of three boys and now I have two boys. (laughs) So I didn't have, I didn't really have sisters and obviously girls at school and things like that. But, um, you know, I saw some of this stuff more from a distance than some people might certainly not living it like you in those ways. And, and boys go through some of these, some versions of these things too, at times. Um, but yeah, we just got a long way to go to to really let everybody feel loved. Because we think back, you mentioned the '90s. I mean, that's when I grew up too. I just turned forty, and uh, and uh, it's it's really interesting how the world has changed since then. Um, but anyway, thank you for elaborating on all that stuff. I so as we talk about all this stuff that you went through, do you want to kind of get into any uh, maybe? specific points of what happened after that, as far as, I mean, you did tell a story that encompassed some years of your life, but unwinding what we call, or undoing, I should say the downward spiral. Um, what does that look like? And as we get into that, I was, I was curious also about this topic that you discussed about purpose clarity, if, if that feeds into it as well, but go ahead, if you don't mind, how do we undo the downward spiral that you experienced? Well, when I look back at my own life, things really started to change when I started to change what I believed is true about myself. And that couldn't be done just through affirmations or just through, you know, somebody telling me I was valuable. I really first had to make the baby steps of changing some things around me. And so it sounds kind of counterintuitive because I talk about doing the work from the inside out, but for me to even get to that inside, I was so closed off, so guarded with different things. So my beliefs were so messed up that I first had to make some changes out outside of myself. I had to change the people that I was spending time with because 
if you're spending time with people that are in your same line of energy that are doing the same things that you want to get away from that you want to change or that have the same beliefs that are causing your own self-sabotage you're it's you're going to have a really difficult time escaping that belief system so for me when i moved to la i found my favorite yoga spot. I started going to yoga a lot. At the time I was just going to yoga for the workout. And so Mm -hmm. all of the little tidbits that they give you, the little um, kind of mini motivational speeches that tend to come with a yoga class weren't really penetrating yet, but they started to, they were planting little seeds. Mm -hmm. But I think some of the real change came when I started making different sets of friends. So I was living kind of two lives. I was partying a lot in LA. Mm -hmm. I was not okay with being alone and with feeling my feelings quite yet. And so I was numbing a lot. I was, I was binge drinking really just a party girl. It's not like I was like sitting at home depressed doing it. I mean, there were some nights, but I was, Mm -hmm. I was doing party drugs and just whatever I could to escape all of the things I was trying to avoid inside. But when I started to hang out with a different set of people, I saw them approaching the world differently. And it started to show me what was possible. It was changing my mindset that like, this isn't how life has to be, or not everyone has these big, dark secrets that they're trying to hide. Well, I'm sure everyone has some, but it's not like I I really started to view it as, you know, all of these healthy, happy people are all pretending that, you know, we all have these big, dark secrets because that's what everyone I knew at the time really had, you know, whether they were secretly robbing houses or secretly bulimic or, Mm -hmm. you know, just wasting their life away. So once I was able to see that there was a light at the end of the tunnel, that something else was possible, it gave me the motivation to start taking those actions. And so I needed to feel my feelings if I wanted to process them. And that was the hardest part. It took me years to get to that place, to have the courage to do that. And so even though some of the things that had happened to me had happened to me 10 years before, I had never taken the time to really process that. And what's interesting is when the uh, Brock Turner, I think his name, that case came out, uh, it was one of the first cases in the Me Too movement. It really changed a lot in how I viewed what I had dealt with. And so it was, it was like this opening that I realized oh my gosh, this thing that I had been determined not to let affect me because that's how I dealt with my trauma in the beginning. I was like, this is not going to affect me. I'm going to blow through it. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. in doing that, in order to sustain that, that's what led to all of my numbing through eating disorders, through partying, through alcohol, all of that. And so when that case came out, I remember reading the victim's letter and I broke down and I just had this intuitive message that I needed to feel all of this. I needed to spend time processing all of this. And it doesn't mean that I needed to go through and relive every single moment of everything that happened to me over and over again. For some reason, therapy has never really worked for me. Just all of the talking about it. What I needed to do was just sit with the feelings in the bot in my body. So I would bring something to mind let it be my rape, let it be the me almost ruining my own life or allowing myself to become so heavily bulimic or the loss of my father, all of the things. And I, I would just sit with them and notice where does this feel? What am I feeling in my body? What, what does the sensation feel like? And so maybe the grief felt like a tightening of my chest or my throat or my, my face becoming tighter or my eyes sinking in. And I would just sit with that and let it be and be okay with that and breathe through it almost like a form of meditation. And sometimes I would end up crying really hard. Sometimes it would be a a three hour cathartic sobbing my eyes out. Mm -hmm. But every time that I allowed myself to actually feel it, that's when it started to pass through me. And some of the things were so deep that it took multiple times of doing this. And sometimes it still does come back up, but instead of resisting it and trying to avoid it and finding a way to distract myself, whether it be through something seemingly healthy, like just going and doing yoga and not thinking about it or something not healthy, like drinking a bottle of wine, (laughs) instead Mm -hmm. of doing those things, I would just let myself feel and 
through that, I started to feel lighter time after time. And then once I allowed myself to feel enough that it felt like it was releasing, then I took the other approach where instead of allowing myself to dwell in these things, I would use it as a catalyst to create. And so instead of thinking about, oh, this is what my life is or what my life was, I would ask myself, what do I want my life to be? And sometimes that would be just magical dreaming, you know, like what does my dream life look like? And then sometimes it would be breaking that down. What do I need to start doing now to get closer to that dream life? And so through those two things, I ended up finding, be ending up in a moment where I was looking back and I was like, oh my gosh, I've actually done it. And I could look back and I was no longer the girl that I was before. And I had started to become this woman that I had written down, written down in the pages years before that seemed like a pipe dream at the time, but now was my reality. Wow. That is all really, really powerful stuff. Um, Okay. So feeling the feelings, I can appreciate that. And it's something um, I think we all do. I know there's certain stereotypes about men tend to bottle things up more, but you know, clearly women can do that too. And, or, or just not knowing how to process it. It's interesting how you pointed out how you were numbing, which is a lot uh, of what the parting lifestyle can include. Cause a lot of times there's a lot of pain underneath some of that stuff. Um, as you've, as you've shown us, um, talk to me a little bit about the, why is it so important that this be done from the inside out versus outside in? You mentioned something about changing your surroundings. I think you mentioned you were in Hawaii and then came back. Um, but why is it so important to do it in that order inside out versus, you know, vice versa? Well, like I said, sometimes it's kind of a combination of the two, but the inner work is the most important. So whatever you need to do to get to the place that you can begin to do the inner work, do it. For me, some of the outside stuff needed to change a little bit for me to be able to have the courage to get there. But it's, the healing started when I was able to work from the inside out. And the reason is because our subconscious beliefs drive most of our behavior. Mm -hmm. And so if we believe something to be true about ourselves, like we are not worthy, it's going to affect the way we approach the world. How you experience yourself determines the way you experience the world. So if I believe that I'm worthy, think about, for example, a job interview. There could be the version of me that is like, I don't even know why I'm applying for this. I am slightly underqualified or, you know, I'm barely qualified. There's probably plenty of people that are, that are applying that are overqualified. Like why would they even hire me? So I'm going to go in, my handshake's going to be weak. I'm going to feel meeker because I'm expecting that I'm not even going to get it. And my actions are probably going to portray that a little bit versus a version of me that believes that I'm worthy no matter what. And maybe I'm underqualified. Maybe I don't even have a degree and that's what they're asking for. And I go in and I'm like, yeah, I don't have a degree, but you don't know what you're missing if you don't hire me. I know that I can do this. I know that I'm up for the task. And I'm going to go in there with a strong handshake, with this confidence behind my voice, and I'm going to believe what I'm saying. And that's going to happen in every area of your life, whether you are, say, you're trying to lose weight. If you don't believe you can actually lose weight, are you going to put your all into every workout? No, you're going to be like, why am I even going to? Why am I even doing this? The treadmill is going to be on the lowest setting. But the moment you start to see that progress, you're like, okay, this is possible. And you're going to come at those workouts in a different way. So you have to figure out what it's going to take for you to change your beliefs about either yourself or your situation. And once you change those beliefs, it's going to change your reality because it's going to give you new ideas on how to approach the situation or on what you're going to do next in your life, what you're willing to, what risks you're willing to take in your life, all of those things. And so sometimes to change the beliefs, it is the actions or it is some of the things on the outside, but the only reason you're changing the things on the outside is to start to change the beliefs on the inside, if that makes sense. So again, it just comes back to your belief system or the subconscious ideas that are driving your behavior. Okay. Okay. Really, really good insights. Thank you. It reminds me, you know, I was listening to some, you know, our friend, Tony Robbins always talks about all these things about changing, 
and becoming better and all these sorts of topics. But one of the things he said that I thought was interesting, the way he worded it was that every change in our life is mothered or fathered by a decision. And he talks about the word decision literally means to cut off. And uh, it's, you know, as you're talking to, it occurs to me, I mean, a lot of times things in life start very, very small, everything from your baby to, you know, falling in love to losing weight. It starts with a small, even, you know, whether religious or not, even Jesus talked about faith, like a grain of mustard seed, which if you don't know, it's very, very tiny one of the tiniest seeds out there, but he says, if you had faith like that, you could move mountains. And so being willing to start small on the low, like you mentioned, the low speed on the treadmill and, and work our way up to, to wherever we need to get to. I think there's just tons of real universal truth in that. And thank you for sharing all that. Um, one, one of the things, um, the, the purpose clarity topic about finding your, you know, the path towards your highest self um, what insights do you have on that particular topic as it concerns your life path and your journey? I remember hearing people talking about finding your purpose. And it was another one of those things that underneath the surface, I didn't know if I had a purpose. I had too many interests and too many passions. And frankly, I was good at at quite a bit of things. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. to be like, well, this is the obvious one to go for wasn't happening for me. And so I had made a, a good amount of life changes when I started to want to want to focus on this. So I wasn't in as dark of a place, but when I would think about my purpose, I would feel very discouraged because it wasn't coming to me. It wasn't coming to me at this big light bulb moment. I would think I had it and I would dive into it and then I would lose interest. And so again, it started to change the beliefs I had about myself. I started to think, well, maybe I am too ADD to ever complete something, or maybe I'm just not cut out for success because I don't have this endurance that other successful people tend to have. What I started to realize is that it's more about finding something that just gives you purpose for today. And maybe you start out and every single day is different. It's it's giving to a neighbor. It's volunteering somewhere. Because when you find these little moments of feeling purposeful, feeling like you made a difference, it changes your energy. It changes the way you feel. And when you feel different, you're willing to do are even more inspired by different kinds of ideas. And think about it. The ideas that come to you tend to be ideas that are going to maintain your current vibration. And that sounds kind of woo-woo, but think about it in the, the aspect of when I'm depressed, I know the things that make me happy. I know that doing an hour long yoga class always leaves me feeling vibrant, but it's the last thing that I want to do for some reason when I'm depressed. (laughs) I want to sit Netflix and chill and drink a bottle of wine. And it's all the things that are going to maintain my current state. But that's why even today I have this list of things. I call it my power lists. And they're the list of things that I know are going to raise my vibration and they're going to sound like the worst things ever, like going for a short run or meeting up with somebody instead of sitting in my dark hole. But I, I trust myself. I trust my higher self enough to know that, okay, you don't want to do this, but this is your human talking, not your higher self. Mm -hmm. Follow the guidance of your higher self that you've laid out concretely in this objective list that you cannot argue. (laughs) So I have to take something from that and it will change my current state. It could be something like deep breathing or doing some jumping jacks or drinking a large glass of water, anything that just changes your energy a little bit. So in this search for my purpose, I ended up trying a number of things that did not work. So first I started a travel blog because I'm like, all right, well, who doesn't want to travel and get paid for it and travel for free? And I have a marketing background. So I was able to get some traction on this and I was getting free travel. And the moment that I really started to get the traction, I realized I do not want to be on the top of Machu Picchu telling people where to eat (laughs) on my vacation. I want to use this as like, this is my escape. This is the way I really experience life. And I want to be in the moment, not live streaming. So Mm -hmm. that didn't work. And, and so I was 
following the wrong things. Again, I was, I was seeking from the outside, these outside external, okay, well, these people will pay me to travel and we'll, we'll do that. We'll fund, you know, my dream life. But I wasn't actually thinking, what do I want my day to day to look like? What, what does, uh, what does my perfect day look like? When do I really feel valuable in my life? It's not when I'm sharing my travel tips. I feel valuable when my friends are coming to me asking how they're supposed to deal with this pain from losing their mother because they have no idea where to even start. And I can draw from some of my experience. And so it was through those moments of finding what gave me purpose for now that started to lead me into my higher purpose, the thing that was actually sustainable, that when I started, I was like, please don't just be another three-month venture that I lose interest in. And now I'm three and a half years in and every day I'm more lit up by what I do. But I had to start by understanding myself and what brought me joy and what my perfect day looked like, what, what I wanted to be rather than Oh, that is what that person's definition of success is, or that looks good on that Instagram account. So let me follow that. So it's, it sounds simple when, when you first, when I'm saying it right now, but a lot of people don't know this because they are constantly scrolling through other people's lives instead of creating their own. So we have to start with that creation process and realize that it is possible to create this life that you've dreamed of, whether or not you're having those dreams right now at all, because you just need to start from this moment right here and decide how you want to feel. And when you start to create those feelings, then you'll start to get the ideas of the bigger life that you may be able to create through that foundation. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more, to be honest with you that I think we are as human beings, I think we are creators by nature. Um, I mean, it's evident, you know, we talk about you have a newborn. I mean, we're creators in that regard, um, but creators of our lives, creators of all kinds of things, businesses and feelings. And you talk about raising your vibration. I love the whole thing about having a list, um, kind of like, you know, a tool belt. Um, someone, someone some time ago was talking about kind of this analogy about Batman with his tool belt. He's got all these little things he throws and <laughs> shoots and stuff. And so I look at it kind of like this is a boy kind of way to think about it maybe, but um, it's kind of like just having those <laughs> tools at your disposal, having a list and, and then by so doing having options. So it's not like, Oh, okay. I always have to go read a book or I always have to go do yoga. It's like, you could do that one day or this the other day or this another time. And, and so I think that's a really powerful place to set ourselves free because a lot of what I've discovered happens in our lives. A lot of, even with what you're describing is we kind of unintentionally put ourselves in these self-imposed prisons. And so these tools are kind of just different keys to get ourselves out of those cells that we put ourselves in (laughs) so often. Uh, do, Do you think, you know, you talk about all these things about sitting and your thoughts and stuff, do you think there's there's bigger power in the universe that kind of sheds light on that gives us clues as to this is who you are this is your your soul's purpose as we try to like combine that with what we are here in this this human sphere of things is there is there some depth that the universe can some light the universe sheds on us or or something what are your thoughts on that I know I'm going kind of deep <laughs> but what do you what do you think I mean, my whole brain is deep. That's what my podcast is about. So (laughs) this is right in my realm. Yeah, I definitely believe that. I mean, I think we all have different beliefs and, and different things that we identify as God. And for me, it's understanding my own power and understanding that everything is energy and we are all essentially creators. As you said, we're all creating constantly all the time. And we are aspects of the divine experiencing this reality. And so in every single religion, there's some sort of words that reinforce that. I, you've referenced um, what I assume to be Christianity. And you know the, it talks about we are all created in God's image. And uh, Jesus was called the great I am. And so I look at that as understanding that that divine force inside of you in Christianity, they talk about uh, asking Jesus into your heart. And that's what creates the salvation in a broader spirituality. They talk about realizing that 
there is an aspect of God inside of you and identifying with that more than this human side of yourself. And so that's what feels really empowering to me is to remember, okay, I'm constantly creating. And so if I'm creating, what am I creating and getting really clear on that? And that will be reflected in the words that you say and what you're willing to do in your life, what you, how you're spending your time. And if you are spending your time talking down to yourself and watching watching that voice in your head what does that sound like are you talking yourself out of big dreams are you criticizing the way that you look are you using the word i can't too much these words affect how you approach your life and so mm-hmm. even if in the beginning it sounds fake to be saying like no i can do this or i am this wealthy, successful person, when you don't feel like that at all, if you keep telling yourself that enough times, and then you are also in tandem taking the actions that create a new belief system, then before you know it, you're going to look back and realize that you are not that same person you were before, just as that happened in my life. And so in the beginning, it felt like I was faking it. (laughs) It felt like I was faking Mm -hmm. it until I made it. And that is kind of what happened. But the words affected my actions, which affected my beliefs, which affected my reality. And so it was like this uh, playing with all of those things at the same time. And and sometimes doing the hard work of, of that audit of your own beliefs or the audit of the way that you talk to yourself or the audit of who you are surrounding yourself with and making those changes first. And at first, it can be a little discouraging because you're like, well, I need to change everything in my life or, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I am not living in this way that's going to create the life that I want. But it's just baby steps. Do one thing at a time. And instead of focusing on the gap of where you are and where you want to be, just focus on the moment and what you're creating right now and try to make it fun. Try to make it enjoyable because that's going to change the energy by which you create, which is going to make it all happen faster. Then that's really the steps that you need to take to create a new reality. And like I said, before you know it, you'll be able to look back and realize how far you've come. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. Thank you. It's uh, it's interesting. The other day I heard somebody say, something that kind of hit me about um, abundance is all around us. People talk about abundance and throw this word around in all kinds of ways and law of attraction and this and that. And I don't, and I don't mean to undermine any of that because I think there's a lot of depth to all of it, but I, I think there's a lot to be said for abundance is all around us. Um, even when we're going through what we think are very difficult things. And I don't mean to undermine people's experiences either that, Oh, maybe it's not really, it, it, things are difficult, but even in the midst of that, if we open our eyes more, we can see all kinds of good and reasons to have joy and happiness. And like you said, to find ways to make things fun and happy in our lives, regardless of what's going on, because you know we can control what goes on. This is one of the reasons the inside out approach is so powerful, because we can control uh, and learn to control what goes on within us. We can't necessarily control everything around us externally but we can control what goes on within us. And, and so aside from the abundances all around us, the next sentence of what I heard was, we're the ones who create limitations. And on that note and on that topic, um, how do limitations, I know one of the things you talk about is that limitations can become guideposts um, in our, on our journey towards our calling and so on. Um, how, how is that? How are limitations um, guideposts for us? Well, it's funny because the first time I really realized this was when I became vegan. I used to be the girl at the restaurant that would ask to go last. Then I would ask a ton of different questions and then I would order something and then regret my decision and look at everybody's meal. And the whole time I was never enjoying my delicious meal. I was always thinking I should have ordered something else. Well, when I became vegan, it became really easy to order order at restaurants because all of a sudden there was maybe one thing on the menu that I could order. So I ordered it. I did it confidently and I never regretted that decision. And I started to realize about six months into being vegan, I'm like, you know, I thought that being vegan was going to be more miserable going out to friends with to dinner with friends, but it's actually been like a really great experience. And so I started to look back also in some of these bigger things that had happened in my life. And one of the things was you know, when I got that felony, like I said, I thought that my life was ruined. Mm -hmm. I couldn't press the reset button. And mind you, I was the kid that like 
when I played video games when I was little and I'd be like playing Super Mario 3 and I'd lose a life too early in the game, I would just press the reset button and start from the beginning because I wanted to go in with a clean <laughs> slate and like, you know, full life force. And so realizing that I couldn't press the reset button on this. And there were a few things in my life like that. People told me that when you have bulimia, you're going to have it for the rest of your life. And so I thought, what, what is the, the hope of even trying to change if everyone's telling me that I'm not going to be able to? Well, mm. that felony ended up being one of the best things that ever happened to me mm. because I was always pretty good at things. I got jobs that I wasn't qualified for. I was uh, an honor student. School came really easy to me. I was used to things coming easy to me. And so I have a feeling that had I not gotten that felony, I would have gotten a really comfortable job. I would have been making good money and maybe led a good life, but not reached my full potential. When I had that felony, I realized there's no way I could explain that whole crazy story on two lines of a job application. So I was determined to never apply for another job again. And that's what that's what led me into digital marketing. I started to stay up all night long. At the time, I was taking copious amounts of Adderall. <laughs> so I was like yeah. not sleeping and I was teaching myself digital marketing. I ended up winning some contests that gave me free tickets to uh, Traffic and Conversion Summit, which is still one of the biggest uh, digital marketing conferences today. But at the time it was in Austin, I ended up going. I won a contest at the end called the Wicked Smart Competition. And I it set up my freelance career for the next two years. In doing wow. freelance, I ended up being offered a job that was very high paying, worked there for a little bit until I decided to start my own thing and, and uh, create my own business. And all of that was because I was not going to apply for another job. So that felony was like a slingshot into entrepreneurship for me. And mm -hmm. instead, I could have sat there and just sulked over all of the opportunities that I had lost. But instead, I decided to use those limitations as guideposts steering me into a new direction, taking away more options. We humans think that if we have more options, we're going to be happier. But there have been scientific studies that prove that we are less happy the more options that we have. Mm -hmm. And so it helps you to go into your given path with a little bit more confidence because this might be your only option. So you need to make the best of it. And it comes back to the same mindset of finding gratitude in what you have right now instead of what you don't have. They're all the same type of mindset into coming back to this present moment and finding a way to appreciate it, have gratitude and create from this foundation instead of some illusionary foundation that doesn't exist. Mm. Again, very, very powerful stuff. And I can relate to a lot of the things you're talking about. I think it's worth all of us. I would just challenge our audience and myself included to look at those things in our lives as we, you know, we listen to stories and we all enjoy the conversation and the podcast, but how are you going to relate this in your life? I would encourage us to to look at where we're coming up against walls and what that means. And, uh, you know, as lots of smart people tell us, we assign meaning to these things, but also realizing that there some of these barriers and things might be warning signs to say you need to redirect yourself a little bit. And I can relate a lot to this grass is greener thing that you were talking about, whether it's from the menu on a, at a restaurant, you know, something smallish like that to bigger things in life. Um, and, and really questioning why we, I, I, I know a lot of people who do that in various degrees and at various times, not necessarily always, but, uh, now one question I have for you, and it's kind of a loaded question, but with everything you've been through, Melissa, are you grateful? Uh, you've been through a lot of pain and a lot of suffering, a lot of things inflicted on you that were not your fault at all. And having been through all that and how far you've come and what it's all taught you at the end of the day, so to speak, are you grateful? Are you grateful you went through these things? A hundred percent. I think that all of these things create more depth, more depth of experience. And I remember hearing a long time ago that the the depth of your joy will be equal to the depth of your pain. And I think that's true in a way. I have a side of my family that has not experienced really any trauma. And it's funny because when I watch them, it seems 
that they create their own struggles day after day. All these little things matter so much and can completely steal their joy in their life. Whereas the other side of my family has gone through extensive pain, like really, really dark stuff. And they are these vibrant light people that every time I talk to them, I can feel myself being filled up. And it's because they had to learn to create from a different place or that they they were responsible for their own happiness and somebody wasn't going to come save them. Mm-hmm. They had to save themselves. And so for me, not only do I feel like I can experience more joy because of the levels of my pain and because I'm so much more appreciative of the happy moments of my husband who treats me so well compared to some of the men I was with in the past or, um, you know, appreciating people because they might not be around every single day or appreciating the life that I'm creating because isn't it amazing that it's possible that I can do this when at one point that I thought the world was just closing in on me. So I have all of these feelings. And at the same time, it also gives me experiences that I can help other people through. And so when I talk about finding my purpose, that's really it. I feel like I went through those things in order to help other people transition easier when they're going through something difficult. And I hear it through emails. I get at least two to three emails every single day from people saying, how relatable an episode was, or thank you for sharing so openly about something that they've been holding in. And a big turning point for me in my whole journey was when I started opening up because Mm -hmm. for a while I was taking the steps, but I was holding so much inside and it was shame. And so shame was like this dark hole that was always with me that made it hard for me to believe a lot of the things that I was doing in my life were real changes because there was also this shame. And if people knew that, you know, I had thrown up my food for 10 years or that I got to a place where I allowed this thing to happen to me in this relationship, what would they think of me? Mm -hmm. And instead of constantly questioning myself, I just started to open up. And I remember the very first time I shared about my bulimia, it was just randomly in a conversation at a get together at a friend's house. And it, I just felt compelled to share it. It was the very first time I shared it with anybody. And the person I was sharing this with opened their eyes wide and they were just like, I can't believe you're saying this right now. I just started purging my food a few weeks ago and it felt Mm -hmm. empowering at first. And then I just started to question it the other day. And this person is one of my closest friends to this day. It brought, brought us closer together. But in that moment, I was like, why am I holding on to this shame when we're all holding on to shame? It's not serving me at all. And I've realized the more I open up, the more it gives other people permission to open up with their own stories. And it doesn't mean that they have to be as public as I am about it, but maybe even just opening up to themselves in a journal to begin to release some of those things that they're holding on to as shame. And they can start to understand that it's just life. We're all dealing with really hard things. And if we can come together around these things, instead of allowing it to separate us even more, then our lives would be different. We'd start to realize that, you know, there's an easier way to experience your own life. So to answer your question, no, I don't regret any of it. And I'm very thankful for all of the experiences that I've had in my life and for the future hardships that are to come because there's going to be plenty. But now I have the tools to work through them instead of taking the long route and holding on to the dark things as just my own and, and using it as a more collective experience to unite me with other people. Yeah. I love it, man. Oh man. What, what a light for humanity that you are. And and I, commend you for all of that and, you know, heartfelt love and support and all these things with everything you've been through and everything you're doing to lift others in, in closing, Melissa, thank you. First of all, for sharing so much. And as your audience knows, being very open and honest and vulnerable. Um, I think that means a lot for a lot of us. Um, but in closing, do you have any heroes? If so, who are some of your heroes and, and why? <laughs> My heroes are constantly changing. I've been asked this question a lot. And, oh, really? and I, I tend to find that 
it depends on what I'm going through that I find another person of inspiration. And a lot of people are people closest to me. I, I cherry pick the qualities. There's not usually one person that I'm like, that person, that is all I aspire to be. I will pick a person. I'm like, I aspire to have that person's kindness. I aspire, I uh, aspire to have this person's drive. And so I've kind of made a mesh of people. And it, it reminds me of the book, Think and Grow Rich. He has his, uh, he talks about having this invisible council, which is like, which really coined the idea of the mastermind. And I've taken that to heart where when I'm going through something, often I realize the the more you get to know somebody, whether you know them personally or you've really dived into somebody's biography, you can often be like, well, what would this person do? And so not only does this inspire me to have closer connections with people, but it inspires me to level up my circle as well. And so often with my husband, my husband is a get it done sort of guy. So, mm-hmm. and so is my stepdad. And so when I'm like procrastinating, procrastinating. I'm like, well, what would Pete do? My stepdad, or what would Shane do? How would he approach this? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I have a friend who's very generous and I often will think about her when I'm feeling a little bit selfish or stingy. And so, um, my hero is more of a compilation of all the people that I, I have surrounded myself with at this moment. And like I said, it's, it's constantly changing as I grow. Sometimes I grow out of people. Sometimes I grow into others. And, and uh, so that one's kind of a difficult one for me to answer. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Beautiful, beautiful answers though, across the board. And what a great conversation, you know, obviously I'm biased cause I was part of it, but um, thank you so much, Melissa, for, like I said, opening up for sharing so much and just some really wonderful, pretty universal insights that I think a lot of people can take and apply in their lives. And again, your podcast is called Mind Love. So I encourage everyone go out, find that podcast, look up Melissa Monte, M-O-N-T-E, and, uh, you know, connect and consume her wonderful content as well. And uh, for our audience, of course, we're always grateful you spend time with us. We're flattered, of course, too. And uh, until next time, empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EmpowerHumans.com. We'll catch you next time.